Welcome to the We Are SC podcast. This is Eric McKinney, joined by Greg Katz. Greg, uh, it's it's week three. Uh, USC set to travel to Utah this weekend, and right now it's it's Wednesday when when we're doing this. And uh, just like everything with college football this year, it's kind of fingers crossed that that we actually get to the game. It feels like things are trending in the right direction. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. The Utah athletic director. Uh, on Tuesday said the expectation is is Utah is going to have you know 70 to 80 percent of its roster for the game on Saturday and so this is going to be the third game in a row for USC where they're playing against a team that is is making its 2020 uh, season debut Um, your your overall thoughts on on kind of uh, just all of that sort of stuff that that's around this game well there's a lot of intrigue a lot of excitement a lot of questions uh we're all expecting a game to be played uh hopefully there is a game to be played um but uh you know if they're gonna have 80 percent of the roster i saw that from their athletic director uh in his comments of course we don't know which 80 percent are going to be available your first thought is, well, 20% of them aren't playing, uh, but does it really make a difference if those 20% are not starters? Uh, I don't think that any Trojan fan should take the game as uh, a uh, big advantage for SC playing uh, in their third game and Utah not playing in a game. The reason I say that is uh, you can just base that on last week when uh, Arizona hadn't played a game and SC already had played a game, and we know how that one went right down to the wire. So, uh, you know, so far, uh, you know, SC is 2-0. and It's a great thing. Uh, but I think from what we've seen of, of the Trojans up to this point, uh, you know that uh, playing somebody that uh, hasn't played a game doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. And I would emphasize that playing Utah, which is a real program with Kyle Whittingham, uh, they'll be ready to go if they've got enough players to play. That that I can assure you. It, it feels like that, again, we're, we're basing that 70 to 80% number on what came out of, of Utah. Um, and Utah has been sort of very quiet about, you know, who is practicing and who's not practicing. And, and even even the days that, that they are allowed to practice, you know, that, that's been sort of an issue for them too, is they've sort of, had to do some intermittent practicing and and they haven't really been you know able to be on the field every single day in in the way that they've wanted to so uh, a lot of issues there but at a certain point the fact that USC has played two games yeah it it helps you kind of in in figuring stuff out but is there, you know, Nat and I start wondering, is there a shift the other way where Utah actually benefits from being able to see the film and, and being able to to get ready for a, a USC team that's coming in? I think when we talk about Utah and, and, and we look forward to the game, uh, my eyes go to, to that Utah offense right away because that's something where you've been for the last couple of years so used to seeing, okay, here comes Zach Moss. Here comes Tyler Huntley, Zach Moss, the running back, Tyler Huntley, the quarterback. Those are names that, that we've gotten familiar with uh, over the last couple of years. Zach Moss got hurt against USC last year, but but he's not there this year. Tyler Huntley's not there this year. And you talk about who are you going to see 
from Utah on the roster, you know, at all, that starts right at quarterback. And you've got three guys where USC is preparing to see any of three guys. And that's not something that happens all that often, you know, first game of the season or, or not at, at any point. And so the, the names, Drew Lisk, who started his career as a walk-on uh, at Utah, now on scholarship there. Jake Bentley, who is coming over, has come over from South Carolina, where he was a guy who actually graduated high school a full year early and took over the starting spot uh, at South Carolina a few years ago. And then Cameron Rising, a Southern California prospect, uh, committed to Texas, enrolled there, and then transferred to Utah. So it's three guys that have, have taken kind of different routes um, to Utah, and, and that's going to be kind of the, the starting point, I guess, for, for that Utah offense. And I think it's a, it's a weird thing to get ready for a team where you legitimately do not know who is going to take snaps for them. Well, I think, uh, you know, it's a little bit deceiving from my point of view because uh, in Jake Bentley, he's a guy who started 33 games, mm-hmm. I believe, in South Carolina. And then you have Cam Rising, who, you know, he transferred from Texas. Texas doesn't recruit bad football players. So he's had the experience of playing in a program like that. Uh, you know, in terms of the running backs, I mean, Jordan Wilmore, we Trojan fans who follow recruiting should know all about him. Uh, he was a player that USC recruited, and, you know, he's he's a tough back. and Was com- was committed to USC for a while exactly. and, then, and then wound up at, head, heading out to Utah. Exactly. And then you have Devin Broomfield. Uh, I think the big key to me is they do have a, a home run hitter in Britton Covey, who's also doubles up as a special teams punt returner. But more than that, uh, which I find important, is – uh, four out of the five guys that are on the offensive line have starting experience. So they're not exactly, uh, you know, uh, coming in without much up front. And uh, we know that uh, what usually the offensive line dictates how a game's going to go. Do I expect that Utah will be not running on all cylinders in the backfield? I would suspect so. But, you know, Utah is – old school under uh, Kyle Whittingham, they are going to ground and pound. And, uh, you know, SC has been susceptible to a rushing attack. Um, I do think one of the biggest things, however, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll get through this, but, you know, having been to Rice-Eccles Stadium when it is full and uh, the MUS, which is the student section, which is, uh, you know, really involved in the game and the fans in general it's going to be a big difference without fans in the stands there no fans no fans at all too not even like arizona last week where where some family members and all of that that utah has said nobody in the stands yeah and i think that's going to make a big difference however that being said from the weather reports that i've been following that kickoff could be in the very low 30s uh, I think the low, which would be probably, what, four in the morning, five in the morning would be 24 sure. degrees. But, you know, the kickoff is 8.30 uh, mountain time, Utah time. So that's starting late, and it's going to be cold. And we'll see who adjusts to it, uh, especially the Trojans. So there's a lot of give and take here. That's what makes it intriguing. How do you see USC's defense kind of stacking up? 
uh, against, you know, again, what everyone certainly expects is going to be a, a Utah offense that, that tries to, you know, get out over its skis, I guess, where, where you're just leaning on that offensive line to hopefully wear down uh, that opposing defense. It's going to be a, a different challenge, I think, for, for that USC defensive front than what they've seen the past couple of weeks. Well, I think the interesting part to me is the type of defense that uh, Todd Orlando plays. Um, you know, Utah is going to be physical. If there's one thing you can, when you, when you say Utah under Kyle Whittingham, you think physical, both offense and defensive lines. So there's no doubt that Utah would probably like to make this uh, a ball control game so that SC doesn't get a lot of passes off on offense. So if they keep the ball and ball control it, uh, and they can move the chains, I think they'll pose a threat. Could keep the scoring down. Uh, but, you know, again, we're looking at a first game, and it seems inconceivable that a first game, uh, you know, an offense with a new backfield could be clicking all, on all cylinders. But it's also the type of ball that they play. So I suspect we're going to see – the SC defensive line, and especially the linebackers, really tested early on. And I think that's absolutely – I mean, that, that's right in line with my thinking, too, where Utah is going to make USC prove that they can stop the run first before they even start looking at, at the pass. But – and, again, it, it comes with a little bit of a grain of salt when we talk about who might be out on the field for Utah because, you know, maybe we talk about these wide receivers in, like you mentioned, Britton Covey, and then two – uh, big, you know, six two, six three receivers outside in uh, in Brian Thompson and Solomon Ennis, and then Samson Nakua too. That they've got some big wide receivers. Uh, if again, they're they're all playing. Uh, USC's caught caught a little bit of a break, I think, with opposing uh, wide receiver units this year. Uh, Arizona State, you know, Frank Darby went down early, and then you got two really inexperienced true freshmen, and, and it showed a little bit. Uh, I think it, in the way Arizona State played against this the, the USC secondary, and then Arizona too, a, a couple of of their wide receivers uh, were out, and still a couple big plays from from Arizona there in the passing game. Uh, this Utah receiving group, and you can't forget the tight ends at Utah. The, the tight ends are absolutely uh, a weapon in this passing game. Um, those are are positions that I, I think are going to be interesting for this USC secondary that's been able to kind of, you know, muscle up and, and out physical uh, at the line of scrimmage and really kind of, kind of push some of these wide receivers around. These are, these are big, strong receivers uh, and some of them very experienced that Utah has that, that for me, I think is, is going to be a test, even though I think we both agree that if Utah could, they'd run the ball every single play. I mean, if, if that's something where their offense is clicking uh, in terms of that, uh, I don't think they'd ever choose to throw it uh, if, if they could run. But that, for me, is going to be a test uh, for this USC secondary. No question about it. I, I really think you hit a, a good point. You know, in tight ends, uh, Fotheringham and Keithy, uh, this is an element that SC did not really see in the first two games at tight ends and what it does to a defense. Um, you know, one of the questions that I'm intrigued by is just how Utah will run the quarterback. You know, are they going to, you know, do what Huntley did? I mean, is it going to be a situation where, uh, 
you know, Utah's strength is, at least experience-wise, is on, is on offense. So, uh, you know, well, they say the other team can't score if they don't have the ball. So it'll be interesting to see how it all comes to play against, I think, an SC defense that, you know, a lot of people are starting to get down on them. And I, I get that. And there's certainly some areas that are really kind of glaring to me. But we still have to keep in mind they had no spring practice. I agree with Todd Orlando, who said uh, at a press conference, uh, you know, on, uh, on Wednesday that, uh, look, you know, we're really only in our fifth week of, uh, you know, learning on the field, uh, our defense and most of the other teams in college football are in their 12th. So I think that, uh, you know, he's got probably one more game where you just say, okay, you're still learning it. Uh, so that in itself will make it interesting. I don't think that this SC defense can afford uh, early on to, to give up too many mistakes, though. Yeah, they, they're going to have to be uh, pretty buttoned up, I, I think. Uh, and, and again, against the Utah offense that's replacing a few guys, but it's not – it's not a new system for them. I mean, it, these guys have been, you know, working in this offense and, and practicing in it for a while. This isn't something like you mentioned Orlando's defense where you're still kind of figuring out what, what exactly you have and trying to run this at, at a high speed. This will only be, you know, the, the third real test for them um, in, in terms of being able to kind of work in this system. And I think it is, I think Orlando's right, and I think you're right uh, in agreeing with him that not getting that spring ball, it, it's um, I, I likened it a little bit to you know getting your driver's license, where if you only did the written test, and all of a sudden you got your license and you got to get that out there on the road without being able to do any of the the behind the wheel prep and and really get a feel for it, that's a difficult thing to do. So right now, like you mentioned, third game. After that Arizona game, I, I think you, the, the team started to get more comfortable uh, in this defense. And Orlando said that they, they were more relaxed and played more fluid. And, and I would expect there to be uh, another step forward um, from this defense. But, but flipping over, talking about needing a, a step forward, we, we can talk a little USC offense uh, against this Utah defense. And, and right now, based on what the USC offense has done and kind of the, the struggles that we've seen and that includes kind of the the third and short the fourth and short and then really just being able to get in a rhythm and and keep that rhythm going for four quarters it feels like it's kind of you know it's it's herky-jerky it's stop and start and you you find some success here then all of a sudden you're shut down and how did that happen and try, trying to find answers for that i think it's way more about the usc offense getting things together than it is any kind of like how do they match up against the USC or the, the Utah defense? Well, you know, the USC offense, I don't quite uh, see what the coaches are seeing in, in a lot of aspects. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, I'm not quite as sold on the offensive line as they are. I think statistics can be misleading. Uh, example, they, you know, they're happy that they say if they get 170 yards rushing, uh, I think they had 173 or something like that uh, last week. But what I look at, and I will continue to look at, is this inability to convert short yardage, third and one, fourth and one, because these are drive killers. These are like, look, this is when the rubber hits the road. I mean, you can sit there and run off tackle and 
dance around, but when it becomes man on man, mono on mono, and you're in that shotgun, and you're really six to seven yards behind the line of scrimmage, trying to get a yard, you're basically giving up six to get one. Uh, and, you know, I think the his, historically the last several years, SC doesn't get the job done. The defensive lines of the teams that stuff SC are more physical and are more athletic than the offensive line. That's not to say that the offensive line isn't trying as hard as they can. Don't get me wrong. But when you are recruiting three-star offensive linemen, there's a reason they're three-star. Uh, they're not elite athletic types. Doesn't say that they don't try hard. Doesn't say that they don't go to the weight room every day and try to pump up. But when you see that, that's a glaring thing. And until SC can convert uh, third and one, fourth and one, you know, th those are kind of like turnovers in basketball, uh, you know, a four-point turnaround. You know, rather than get a shot at the basket, we, get, we turn the ball over and the other team makes a layup. So it could be technically a, a turnaround. Um, so the other thing that I think is really questionable, really, really questionable, and I had heard this and then I saw it on the uh, interview, was the reasoning that SC doesn't take the ball uh, under center. Okay, In other words, Slovis doesn't take a direct snap from his center is because uh, that's just not what we do. Well, what kind of an excuse is that's not just what we do? It's being done to them. Arizona took the ball under center, okay? Uh, it's a quick snap. It's, it's less stress on your offensive linemen. The linebackers have uh, less chance to I diagnose a play where when you're in the shotgun at fourth and one or third and one, you can see a developing play. And many people, I'm sure, would agree with me. You can see it, you, whether you're there in person or you're watching it on TV, how slow the plays develop. And I just, I'm having a hard time wrapping myself around the, the answer is, well, first, it's not what we do, and, you know, it, it takes a while to perfect it, and the NFL isn't doing it as much anymore. You know, the bottom line is you just don't want to do it. It's like the kid who, uh, you know, says, uh, gets all sorts of excuses why they don't do their homework. I have to work. I got to watch my brother. Uh, you know, there's a lot of noise in my house. Da -da 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 -da. Bottom line is why do most kids not do their homework? Because they don't want to. Why is SC not taking the ball, snapping under center? Because they don't want to. And it's going to hurt them. At, it's already, they're fortunate to be 2-0. and If they're not 2-0 and or they're 0-2, believe me, the not taking the snap under center at third and one or fourth and one would really be a big deal. But they've gotten away with it, but I don't know whether they can get away with it uh, for four more games or a bowl game. So that concerns me. Yeah, and, and I do think at a certain point, it's, you know, why aren't we having success on, on third and one, on fourth and one, and short yardage? I mean, at, at, you know, at a certain point, you, you are what you are. If you're not good at it, it's because you're not good at it. And, and that's kind of the, the frustration is, is it doesn't seem like there's any kind of let's get better at it. Let's, let's find a different way to, to do it. It's just kind of like, and, you know, on, on third and one, we'll just, we'll try a handoff and we'll see if we can get it. Uh, and, and it's just not, 
it's not there consistently. And, and I'm not saying they never get it. I mean, against Arizona State, there was a fourth and one. Uh, Stephen Carr had, had 13 yards on it. Marquis Step pushed over a, a big fourth down uh, against Arizona. But those short, short yardage plays, and, and you mentioned it, talking about them being turnovers, when, when you don't get a fourth and one, you may as well have thrown an interception. Uh, in, in a game like this where you know Utah would love it if they got the ball to start the game and then just, you know, kept the ball and, and kicked a field goal going into halftime and that was it. You know, that shortening the game like that. Every time that, that you don't convert, that's potentially the clock just ticking, 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 ticking. And, and if you can't keep your offense on the field, that, that's a huge detriment to a team like USC where their offense seems to be, you know, we, we got to churn up a bunch of plays and, and we have to stay on the field. Uh, you you got to be able to, to convert those third downs. But talking now, let, let's go into a little bit kind of specifically Utah's defense because you mentioned the, you know, kind of the, the veteran experience on the, on the offense. When you look at that defense, they lost – Three guys, uh, three starters up on the line of scrimmage uh, on that defensive line, and their secondary, it was just decimated by graduation. That was such a senior-heavy secondary for Utah. And, and by the way, a secondary that Matt Fink came in and, and completed passes sort of all over the place, and, and really it was, it was Michael Pittman kind of having the game of his life at, at USC, had a just a monster performance against Utah but when you go down you look at the five guys in Utah's secondary and that's the two corners the nickel and then the two safeties if you look at the entire two depth 10 guys at those spots there are zero career starts when in that whole group now there's guys that have played in games uh safety Vontae Davis you know 28 games and a couple of cornerbacks have some games under their belt but uh a couple you know freshmen who potentially get in their first action here and like I said no starts so when you talk about can USC get the running game going can they do that boy this sure looks like if you if Utah is going to do what they always do and play a lot of man coverage and rush for and just roll out that same sort of defense maybe maybe you look at that USC passing game and and they can have some success here against the Utes well, you would you would think that a defense that really only has linebackers Nepi Sewell and Devin uh, Lloyd coming back and a defensive end Mike Tafua, that when your weakness is in the secondary against an air raid offense, you're in big trouble, and you're in big trouble as you mentioned if you're going to play man to man against USC's uh, receivers. I th there's nobody that I see that can guard. Uh, Drake London man-to-man -man. I mean it's just not going to happen Drake's a you know potential first round draft pick NFL and he's going to go up against guys that are play, having their first start and he should be able to just toy with them uh, same thing with the other uh, offense you know Amon Ra should have a field day and you know uh, uh, Tyler Vaughn should uh, get what he wants uh, what it really is going to get down to is the type of defensive lineman that uh, Utah is going to present, even if they're inexperienced, uh, you would think that, you know, Kyle Whittingham, who's a former linebacker himself, uh, who certainly, you know, prides himself on uh, defense. And by the way, we should mention that Kyle Whittingham, uh, 
is 11 and 0 uh, in home openers. So if you're looking for a little bit of a, you know, uh, should we say consistent pattern, that's certainly a pattern. But, you know, it's inconceivable to me that an inexperience, as you mentioned in the secondary, is not going to make three or four or five big mistakes against Trojan receivers that can take it all the way if they get their hands on it. So it's really going to get down to what kind of a pass rush is Utah going to present, and are they going to drop eight guys back because they think that they have three studs, experienced or inexperienced, that they're just going to say, just go after, uh, you know, Keaton Slovis and, uh, you know, make him a, a pinata. And so there, there is going to be the, the key to me is what kind of a pass rush because if, if Slovis is allowed to set up, and again, Slovis himself is a mystery because they're claiming, they being the coaches, and Slovis himself are saying, well, my balls have been fluttering the last two games. Uh, last week it was the wind and it was a slick ball, and the week before it was something else. This is not intellectually making a lot of sense. It's like even the TV announcers were saying, is there something wrong with him? Uh, and certainly the, the Keaton Slovis that we know, the way he throws the ball with his pinpoint accuracy, he just didn't look like himself for most of the game last game. So I'm going to look to see about the defensive pass rush that, that Utah is going to throw. If they can't get to him, there's no way that's secondary. I don't care if they have 13 people back, that SC's not going to make big plays. And I, you know, I was going to bring up Keaton Slovis too right here, and, and I'm glad you got to it. But that to me is is the biggest, e even more than kind of who is Utah going to have available and, and, you know, is the game actually going to happen? Keaton Slovis throwing the ball, the, the way the ball is coming out of his hand, I, I think has become absolutely the, the biggest uh, question, talking point, you know, area of concern for USC right now, more than the short yardage stuff, more than, than any of that. If he's, if he's not right, if, if he's not throwing the ball well, that opens you up to a, a ton of issues. I mean, I, I give Keaton Slovis a lot of credit for whatever was going on against Arizona. He, finished the, he finishes that game going 12 of 12, uh, throwing the ball and, and those two big touchdown drives at the end. He pushed through it, but boy, that, that, there were some throws where you, know, you literally couldn't tell who he was throwing it to, and that's not – Keaton Slovis. And so, like you said, you've, you've gotten sort of three fairly different answers. Keaton Slovis says, you know, it was mechanics and, and he was pretty quick to say not an injury. Yes. Mechanics. Graham Harrell was even quicker to say there's no way it's mechanics. And so he kind of hinted that, that it's, you know, maybe a mental thing after one ball slipped and now he's kind of focused on it. And then Clay Helton has now three times kind of tripled down on it was an issue with the balls. They got slick. It was, it was uh, dry and windy out in Arizona. So whatever it is, you can't say that a week later in a completely different, you know, stadium and state and environment, oh, it's the, it's the same thing that happened against Arizona. If, if it's fixable, you've got to get it fixed. And if it's not fixable that becomes a, a completely different question but for me that is again more so than who's out on the field for Utah or what alignment are they in or whatever that first pass 
that Keaton Slovis throws, uh, the, the hope is that it looks like a, a Keaton Slovis throw, that, the kind of throw that we're used to, because if it doesn't and if the, the kind of fluttering and, and the duck ball sort of continues, if you're a defense, you know, you, you sit back in zone coverage and you make him hit all these spots and you keep everybody's eyes on the ball uh, because it, it could end up anywhere. And so if you're alert to that, uh, it feels like there's some potential interceptions there, even though, you know, like you said, technically you could just punt it up there and Drake London will go up and get it. And, and I guess, I guess you could bank on that. Uh, that. That's a thing that USC always has in its back pocket where you let him go downfield and toss it up to him and let him go get it. But not to, not to belabor the point, but I, yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, there's two issues here. Is it the arm strength or is it the gripping of the football? If it's arm strength, then there's something wrong with his arm. Is it conceivable that the balls are too slick? Yes. I'll give you an example. Many decades ago when I played high school basketball, at the varsity level, we used a leather basketball. Now, when I would grip a leather basketball, I was able to grip the seams. And, and my shooting was, was, was really good. However, at the lower divisions in what we used to call the C's or the B's, in order to save money, we used rubber balls, which were so slick with very little seams that I felt like I was shot putting my jump shot and I could never get used to it. It was like trying to uh, uh, shoot a, an ice cube. Okay. So I get it that if the ball, if he doesn't feel the grip is right, that could cause the fluttering. Okay, that can be that can get in your head that you're trying to, to get a grip, but you know you don't have a good grip. Uh, the comparison, I'm able to grip a leather basketball, but I can't grip a rubber basketball. So that's a possibility. And, but and I don't, I don't uh, like they, sorry, they, they talked about we were working with him already on, on which balls we're going to use and getting them ready and, and, you know, kind of getting that into his head where he's comfortable taking those balls out on the field. So like I said, that for me, that's, that's one throw. If he comes out there, nails that first throw. Okay. You know, we, we push that, you know, in, into the, the background and, uh, and here we go, Let, let's move. But, uh, and until that happens, you know, that that's a, a point worth watching. I think. I agree with you a hundred percent. And then uh, with, with Utah, we'll get into, you know, special teams a little bit because Utah, ha you know, they, they, it, it hasn't been the last two years, but certainly capable of going on. You know, they, they went on a long uh, stretch of Ray Guy award winners for punters and a Lou Groza award winner for kicker that they always seem to be, you know, pretty, sh pretty shirt up in, in uh, on special teams. You mentioned Britton Covey coming back, uh, likely handling kickoffs, likely handling punts. It doesn't seem, though, that they have that kind of kicker punter that, that can just take over a game, although they're going to be solid. I think USC, in terms of special teams, that there, there was the hiccup on the field goal uh, against Arizona. But I, I think overall, you know, solid play, and, and you don't expect there to be kind of the, the breakdown that, that you were always sort of on the edge of your seat. Is it coming? Uh, last year, I, I think through through two games, you know, solid overall, especially considering you're going with a true freshman uh, kicker. Well, I think this. Uh, I I don't personally understand 
any criticism right now with Ben Griffiths. I think he's averaging 46 yards a punt. You know, I think he's, uh, I think it's 46.8 actually to be exact, but you know, I think he's done a good job. Okay. I don't think he's as restricted as he was the year before. So I, I'm not unhappy at all with the punting. Uh, in terms of place kicking, Parker Lewis, I mean, I think last game, what did he have two, two or three touchbacks uh, on kickoffs? And he was maybe two the out of ba- one out of bounds kickoff in, in each of the first two games. That, that's clearly something that, that can't continue if you're, if you're looking to, oh, you know, absolutely. to hit on Absolutely. A point. But that's a correctable situation. This is not like he's, he's a true freshman, you know, and he's kicked two out of three field goals. So he's about 66% in his field goals. You know, he's bound to miss one. He has no experience. Uh, but again, he's not kicking with, you know, 45,000 people going crazy against him. Uh, but, you know, he's doing as well as I think as a freshman kicker could do. Given, I mean, he's got a hell of a leg. There's no doubt about it. I don't think, you know, Utah, we're always used to great kickers and place kickers. But, you know, they're, they're dealing with a sophomore kicker, Ben, Le- uh, ben Lemon, who's averaging 40.9. So SC's got, uh, you know, a six to seven yard average better punting wise. You know, obviously a place kicking, uh, you know, I guess you, you could call us a, a sophomore that kicked uh, last year a veteran in, in Jaden Redding. Uh, you know, he had 14 games uh, that he's played in. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be probably advantage SC in terms of uh, the actual punting. I think that it's probably fine place kicking. I think the biggest uh, question mark for SC, and of course, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're going to look at SC, is just what kind of production they're going to get on punt returns or kickoff returns. So far, I haven't seen anything that, uh, that gets me out of my seat on kickoff returns or punt returns. And I, you know, I don't know whether, you know, they're, they've really got the right guys back there or they're still trying guys out. Uh, you know, I mean, Amon Ra is a, you know, a capable returner, but I don't think he's electrifying, you know, take it all the way type of guy. Uh, you know, the kickoff return guys are just okay, fine. Uh, so uh, maybe the way the new rules are, a lot of people are taking fair catches inside the five yard line. They, to start the ball off at the 25 yard line. But, uh, you know, if, if you're going to be a championship team, you have to have production from uh, your special teams, especially uh, punt returns and kickoff uh, returns and even kickoff coverage for that matter. Yeah, uh, agreed. Give me your, to, just to kind of wrap this up, give me your kind of intangible, I guess, for, for this game that, that you're looking at that you feel like could make a, a big difference in a, a USC win or, or loss? Well, the intangible to me is going to be uh, uh, discipline penalties. They can't, they can't have another 110 yards of penalties because against a Utah team that will need every break it can get because it's their first game. And again, game conditioning could be in the play. I mean, this is going to be SC's third game and Utah's first. Uh, if SC kills itself with the penalties we've seen last game, and they have penalties where they lose their cool and they get roughing the kicker, or not roughing the kicker, but uh, you know, roughing the passer or you know, taking a cheap shot or what have you, they can't afford, at least from what we've seen the first two games, to continue that pattern. If they keep Utah in the game by by making penalties they're really running the risk of, of uh, 
you know, getting beat. I mean, they're, they're, what, what is it? They first time in SC history, they've won back to back games uh, with two minutes to play under two minutes to play. You can't keep that up. Eventually it's going to catch up with you. Yeah. I, I think that penalties w- was going to be mine. I mean, that that's one of those things. What What's scary about having a, kind of big penalty game early in the year. And Todd Orlando talked about it on Wednesday when he was asked about Chris Steele, who's, who's had a couple penalties. Uh, I, I, I think it's a couple in each game, certainly a, at least one in each game, um, where Orlando talked about how, especially with a corner, you don't want to take away his aggressiveness. So you don't want to start saying, okay, we'll just stay off the guy completely and play back you know, seven yards, because you're going to give up a bunch of passes. And if you take away their aggressiveness, there's a chance that, that you never get it back. And so the idea is to, to kind of coach him up to understand what they're calling. But in that discussion, I think one of the key things came out when he talked about, hey, once that's on film, not only are A, the referees going to see that as they prepare for the game to, you know, t- take a look at what's going on with each team coming into that game. They see, Hey, this guy grabs, but the other coaches see that too. And Orlando said, we all do it. We all get in the ear of the officials before the game and say, Hey, take a look at this guy. This is what he's going to be doing. And all of a sudden when the official has that brought to his attention and they're watching it, it's easier for them to call it and, and more likely for them to call it. So now all of a sudden you're coming into a game with, uh, I believe, 11 penalties for 110 yards uh, against Arizona. And the Utah coaches can now sit there and say, hey, call everything. Throw, just throw a flag. You're going to be right. Uh, and, and so that becomes, uh, I think, an issue. And again, you don't have the Utah home crowd to influence any of that, but you do have now this film and so USC is going to need to be kind of hyper aware of those penalties because Utah doesn't seem like a team that, that is going to, you know, maybe let a late lead slip the way that Arizona State and, and the way Arizona did. So I think you've got to be clean. They did do a good job with, uh, with turnovers against Arizona, held onto the ball a lot better. Um, but I, you know, the, the penalty thing, especially if it happens again, now you run the risk of, you know, like I said, every week that it happens, it feels like it's more likely to happen that following week. So I, I think we're both kind of lockstep agreement there that, that you've got to clean that up. And I, you know, the weather a little bit too. I think, you know, Marquis Step maybe is, is one of the guys who's used to playing in cold weather, being from Indianapolis. And if you can get that kind of power running game going, I, it, it's not fun to tackle a guy like that in, in that kind of weather. And so no. that might be something where, where if he can get going, that gives you uh, a little bit of an adv- advantage, even though you're the team coming from warm weather and, and going out there to play. Yep. I think you hit the nail on the head. So we'll see. That is a, uh, a late start, 7.30 uh, on ESPN uh, this weekend as USC goes out to travel, travels out to Salt Lake City to take on the Utes and we'll see if USC can move to three and zero. hopefully not in the same sort of thrilling way that, that the last two we'll, we'll see if USC can kind of, you know, put things together and, and take a major step forward this weekend, but going to be a tough challenge against a, a Utah team that has played USC really tough over, over the last handful of games. So that's our look for it. Thanks for joining us uh, for Greg Katz. This is Eric McKinney. Thanks for listening to the, we are SC podcast.